it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our UFC 276 preview of Adesanya versus Kananir for the middleweight title and Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 3 for the featherweight title. Tom, UFC 276, a few days away from Las Vegas. And I know that you're still mourning the loss of the Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate fight from Tuesday. I get that, but Tom, the level of excitement you have for this card, it is sky high, is it not? Uh, yeah, despite losing Misha Tate and Lauren Murphy, I have decided to continue with the pod. Um, I've come out of morning, I've put my best suit on, and I'm ready to go. The reason for that, Joe, is we've got two title fights on the line here. We've got some up-and-coming prospects and some nice fights there on the prelims. Yeah. Um, so plenty to go off it is also international fight week and hold on i'm talking brother has to be there to represent so of course till next time misha tate yeah until next time and yes listen as he does have his finest suit on his birthday suit right let's uh get into this me and tom are going to break down these fights going to go from the top of the card from the main event down of the main card and uh, we're going to make our predictions uh for each fight we'll pick a fighter who we think is going to win and if we get that correct, we get one point. And if we get the method correct, we get two points. Ten points on offer for both of us. I am the champ. Thank you, Tom, as I like to remind you uh, just now. And I shall decide who will be going first when giving their predictions. But we know the fight that we're going to start with first, which is Israel Adesanya versus Jared, the killer gorilla cannoneer. And Tom... What is the main narrative of this fight for you? Joe, I think the main thing to note about this fight is we're talking about the last style bender, um, Israel, the current champ, going into his sixth title defense. A man who's put on masterful displays to first dethrone the original champ, one of the boys of the pod, Robert, Bobby, Knuckles, um, and... And then also followed that up with a very impressive win over Paulo Costa, one of the hottest properties in the sport. And yet nobody's really that interested in this fight. I posit that they're not interested, Joe, because they think this is a bit of a walk in the park. Kananiri's not quite there. Mm, mm. I think that there is that perception for some fans due to the fact that Kananir is kind of a strange commodity in this sport we've seen him in this middleweight division lose to top contenders uh well i say contenders contender in robert whittaker but he's also had a odd career path of starting at heavyweight and moving down to middleweight through light heavyweight um a very rare move i can't think of many fighters who make that sort of move apart from maybe tj dillashaw who went from a bantamweight to flyweight uh, very successfully um, but yeah, Kananir doesn't feel like a, an opponent that's really sparking the interest. If you remember when there was the lead up to the Costa fight, do you remember the, the um, 
sort of preview package they did it had this intensity to it of like oh my god this guy's gonna put it on izzy and izzy is he gonna be able to get through this storm of you know brazilian steroids it's like is he gonna be able to survive this and of course he absolutely murked him and put on a masterpiece of a performance what well, part of that, part of that, Joe, uh, and this gets us into the fight here now, is that Costa, despite previous uh, appearances and words to the contrary, had zero game planning going into that fight. Yeah. Or if he did, he <laughs> had one of the poorest showings to the point where your coach is saying, "Look, son, don't don't come back to the gym. All right, yes. find somewhere else." Uh, because Costa, really, he was the perfect foil. Uh, what he needed to do was close off the cage, apply mm. pressure to Adesanya, make him very uncomfortable, rip those big shots to the body, chop those legs, and cut off the cage. Uh, but what ended up happening in that fight is that Costa kind of sat there in the middle, uh, outside his own range, getting picked up and styled on with a whole variety of shots, mm. and Izzy was able to slip out the side anytime Costa did go forward. I just don't see, Joe, what can Cannonier do differently? Cannoneer is going to have to go by the classic saying of, I'm going to have to take one to give one. I'm going to have to take one to give one to get anything going in this fight. And I really do think that is the case. He's going to have to walk forward into a storm and try his best to get a game plan going. Now... We've seen this in the Whitaker fight, is that you kind of have to make an Israel fight, the second Whitaker fight, I must say, not the first one, is that you kind of have to make it a bit grimy if you're going to try and win rounds off of him. Okay? Now, Whitaker in that second fight, was very within himself because he knew what Adesanya possessed, the power that he possessed, the knockout power that he has. And so he didn't well, go he certainly stalk- did know. He certainly did know that, Joe. He got clipped <laughs> in front of his home crowd trying to blitz in. Yeah. And Nobody knows it better than uh, Whitaker. Yeah, exactly. And I think Cannoneer knows this as well. So I think Cannoneer, in his way, has to be methodical in how he moves forward. And he needs to build by going from the bottom up and work his way up from leg kicks. I really do feel like this is the best way to go. I know it sounds crazy trading with a guy who is known for his leg kicks. But I think Cannonier needs to go that way, throw very heavy leg kicks, which is what he does have. You okay, Tom? Do you want to pause? I'm okay. Joe, I'm being harassed. I'm being harassed here by one of the, the fans of the pod. Uh, it's, it's my cat. <laughs> but Joe, he's helped me there because he's put you off your rhythm. And and I, I think that's what I need to do as well. Because actually, Cannonier is not going to have the chance to chop Izzy's legs. Izzy trains for fighters who want to limit his mobility. Izzy trains for guys who want to wrestle him. These are the only ways that people can beat him. He knows that very well. Uh, And he has the full arsenal to, number one, check those kicks, and number two, exploit the opportunities that come with Cannoneer stepping those legs out and going inside that range that Izzy has. But then Izzy's going to... How else can Cannonier win this fight then? Is there a way for him to win this fight? I'm sorry, fight fans. Uh, Cannonier has been keen to say that he has more than a puncher's chance. I'm out here. I'm sticking my neck on the line. I don't think it's too risky. That's all his chances. It's a small chance. Hence why Adesanya goes in as the biggest favourite on this card. 
Uh, for me, Joe, he's going to go out there. He's going to outpoint Cannoneer. He's going to sap that body. He's going to land those diversity of strikes, variety of kicks, um, open those spaces until Cannoneer tires and Adesanya finishes him late on. KO Israel Adesanya onto the next one. I uh, don't disagree with that, to be honest. I. I'm surprised actually when you said late on because I've actually gone for an easy knockout and I think it's going to be quite early. I think it's going to be in round, like round two. I think he's going to finish him. Uh, you know, in rewatching that Costa fight, he does this really smart move of like he throws like a left straight with like no jab setup. He just throws it straight. And he does this about three times, four times in like the first round. And then in the second round, he goes to throw this sort of left straight again, no jab setter behind it. But in fact, he then moves his left hand out of the way and brings up a left high kick right behind it. Because he read Costa's defenses that when he goes to block this left straight, he ducks his head out behind his guard. Which uh, obviously is not a smart thing to do if you're, if you're a striker. And that's what you're predominantly known for, uh, Paolo. And through this sort of left high kick uh, behind it. I do think Izzy's going to get these reads on Cannoneer uh, very quickly. That is if... Cannoneer goes down this line which I think he has to realistically he has to do this move doesn't he he can't he can't do the Yoa Romero I'm going to stand here in my shell and just explode well, once around does hold he have on, that hold on, Joe. yeah well that's a question hold on I'm, shelling, question, up, I'm shelling up brother come on <laughs> yeah I mean like interestingly uh some people say that Yoel won that fight I mean now, they're wrong they're, they're they're wrong but nobody says that Paolo Costa won his fight against Izzy. <laughs> so there's a warning there uh, for Cadenia. There, there is. Now, the, the, pro- the problem is, the problem is, that the, the man who's really been closest, the one who's really in this division, who's, who's tested Israel, was Whitaker last time out. Um, and that um, was by... No, Kelvin Gastelum is the man who's, who's uh, challenged him the most. I, 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 I think you run that fight back, I think. Uh, yeah, of course, of course you, if you run that fight back now, of course. But at the time, Gastelum went for it and it worked. Like, you know, I, I don't know for what reason, but it seemed to work. Well, he's got he's built like a fridge. He can eat <laughs> head kicks and, and strikes for, for dinner uh, and everything else, Kelvin. You shouldn't be fighting in this division. You should be fighting yeah. two weight classes lower. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, I think we can summarise this for the listeners. Uh, it, basically, Cannonieri has to go through the fire. He has to cut that mobility off. He has to close exits as he presses towards the cage. Um, and he has to land some leg kicks on Adesanya. He won't be also, able to do that. He also has to, like, not get head. Doesn't can't hunt for the head either. He has to invest in the body. If, he's, if he is going to do anything like this, I mean... It's, it's whether the, if you can, like, envision, envision this happening. And the problem is, is that you just can't because of how good Adesanya is. And I think that goes back to the narrative thing of, are people a bit bored of Izzy? Because he's so much better than everyone in this division. If Kananir plays the game, people will be hot on Izzy again. So um, I guess we just hope for a, for a fight. I hope we get that fight. And, and I think we will. Uh, the next fight, though, Joe, that's something Woo! I can really... Yeah. Oh, my words. Let's now t- we're talking. Now we're talking about this. Max Holloway takes on Alexander Volkanovsky for the third time, trying to reclaim his featherweight title, at least what he claims is his featherweight title. Now, Tom, last week, I watched the first two fights, 
that these two had back to back. Okay. Uh, have you done similar? Have you done... Uh... That's that's 30 minutes of great television right there, Joe. I didn't. 50. I watched... 50 Sorry, yeah, forgive me. Yeah, 50 minutes of fight time. And I believe in the first fight they had equal strikes landed on each yeah, other. These guys are did. very well matched. Uh, but given the evolution in their games, and really these guys have moved to come a long way since that first fight, I, I just watched the second fight because I felt like Max was able to mitigate some of the troubles that he had in the mm. first fight, in that second fight. And I'm assuming he'll carry that forward now into the third matchup. Okay, so it was very interesting watching those two back-to-back because in the first fight, Max Holloway does the classic Max Holloway thing of trying to walk people down and land shots, and it just doesn't work for the majority of the fight. And then towards the end of the fourth, or midway through the fourth, it starts to pick up for him. And actually, I scored that first fight three rounds to two to Volkanovski. The problem is, is that Volkanovski very much clearly won the first three rounds, and Max was having to try and actually finish this guy in reality, even if it was extremely close. This is the thing. These two have such fine margins between them that you literally need one or two defining moments around to beat the other man. And that's what you saw in the second fight. So instead of chasing him, Max uh, intercepted Volkanovski, pulled him into him, and then would plant his feet and sort of counter him. And you saw that in the second fight, which you can attest to. In the first two rounds, Max dropped Volkanovski uh, twice. In the first round, I think, with a left hook, and then the second round with a left high kick. Have I got that in the right order? I think it was the other way around, yeah. Okay, it's the other way around. My mistake. How did you score that second fight? Uh, so, you know, I'm putting it out here on record now. I do recall from my the first time round, as very much a, a disciple of the the blessed one, Max Holloway. Mm. Uh, I, I favoured Holloway uh, because of those knockdowns in the first two rounds. But uh, watching it in preparation for this pod, like a dedicated uh, fight fan and podcaster, um, I have to go back on what I said, Joe. Mm. I got it wrong. Yeah. I had rose-tinted goggles on, and I have to say, on, on my second watch through i did score the final three rounds to volkanovsky mm. um that was because of volkanovsky's wrestling game he was able to take max down he was also really stepped up his intensity i think oh. his coaches really let him know going into that third round you're two rounds down son yeah, you want to like, be you want to stay the champ yeah you gotta you gotta get working and you saw that in that third round he came out super cocky he was just like, I got this, don't worry. Like He was really confident going in that third round. And he stepped up his game massively. So so what I really noticed in that third show is the rhythm he came out with. And I know other commentators have come out here and, and said it as well. Now, a, a smooth boxer like Holloway very much fights in rhythms. You know, one, yeah. two, one, two, in, out, in, out. And, and Volkanovski was able to come in there and upset that regular rhythm. He was able to not give Max those breaks, to double up on those shots, to go in again when he would normally be pulling back out and away out of range. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that was quite special for Volkanovski, who is somewhat of a counterpuncher in his own right, um, to, to, to change like that. 
and then it was it was the takedowns. It was the wrestling game that, mm. that came through in the fourth and the fifth. Two successful takedowns there, and really at a time where Max normally comes on stronger, grows in stature, as men like Calvin Cater or Yair Rodriguez kind of test. Or, or Brian was, Ortega. Uh, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> It was yeah. actually Volkanovski who came in and won those last three rounds. So yes. I scored it 48-47 for Alexander the Great. Uh, it's the exact same thing for me. I scored it for Volkanovski as well. Last three rounds for Volkanovski. And again, the margins are so fine. But for me, they're clear in those three, in those last three rounds of the uh, second fight. And I think that some of the reactions that people have had to Volkanovski since that second fight have been a bit unfair. It was a bit unfair, particularly directly after that fight where Max was robbed. You know, it's just like, I'm, I'm sorry, even if you had Max winning any of those three rounds, it's not a robbery. Like, it is so razor close. And it's... And I, I saw some... I was going through some old things. People were saying that Max won the first two rounds 10-8. And it's like, bro, those are not 10-8s because he got a knockdown. And by the way, when I say it's a knockdown, he was knocked down to one knee. And was straight back up. It's not like he's flatlined this bloke and he's somehow survived. You know, they were really definitive moments. Max has got a lot of fans out there. Mm. And um, the other thing, listening to that second fight again, was the commentary. Bisping is just blaring out nonstop that Holloway's kind of marching away and he's got it locked up all the way through the fifth round uh, in in rounds that. that, um, Volkanovski was winning. Volkanovski's. Yeah, yeah, really. So it was one of those egregious examples of commentary. But it's really looking ahead now to this third fight. The narrative has changed again, Joe. Now, you say that people were unfair to Volkanovski, but since then, since his second win over Holloway, he's gone on to defend the belt two more times, Mm. uh, absolutely demolishing poor Brian. Yeah, again. Uh, Brian Ortega, that is. Oh, my God. I don't know what that guy's supposed to do. But yeah. he shouldn't be fighting Holloway or Volkanovski again. And then uh, the fight against the Korean zombie was called off on humanitarian grounds because that was another <laughs> whooping. It was really a hard watch because he, Volkanovski he... looks so fast. He looks yeah. so good, Joe. Yeah. And now he's really getting his props. And he goes in here as the favourite. I... How do you see it? For me, I, I think that's fair. I think Volkanovski in his last two fights really has tried to step up his finishing ability. Like, really going for the kill. And you saw it with that uh, Ortega fight. And you see it with, actually, before... uh, The only fight that he's not really demonstrated that is the Holloway one, because he can't get Holloway down for long. Holloway's takedown defense is very good. Like, Harry bases off, gets his forearm across the guy, able to create that uh, space and separation, get the underhooks in. But when he unleashes ground and pound Volkanovski, it's kind of similar to Ratmanov, in that he does it with his feet planted, so it's this really hard, like, triangle pressure. This triangle base he's got with the pressure coming down and just unleashes hard ground and pound from there. And he doesn't discriminate. goes to the body as well. It's the layers on the feet that's so impressive with Volkanovski, isn't it? It's the inside-outside uh, leg kicks, you know. He will throw an outside leg kick to your lead leg and then immediately throw an inside leg kick from there to sort of throw you off your rhythm, come out the ex- uh, exit on both sides. Yeah, well, it's just a quick note on those leg kicks. I mean, that was the story of the first fight, and we already talked about in the uh, main event of this card the importance of limiting the mobility of strikers. Now, Max, he did make some big adjustments there going into the second. Uh, yeah, changed his base, more upright. 
Absolutely. Much, much narrower, tighter, um, not really stepping in that wide stance that he likes so much that gives him that flexibility. He, did, with... he, didn't, he didn't chase Volkanovski. He let Volkanovski come to him and throw punches out through the middle. So it was really, really an excellent adjustment that Volkanovski and wasn't ready for either and admitted to I, that. No, right, right. And, uh, you know, there was also the, uh, the body work of Max, which I thought was particularly nice in the second fight and I think really could be a key going into this... Um, into this third fight. The thing is, these guys have evolved so much. Mm. Holloway himself having demolished Calvin Cater with the record number of strikes landed. I, I don't have the number off the top of my head. Maybe you do, Joe, but I, I want to say it was something like 500. I'll, I'll bring it up in a moment. Bring it up in a moment. I, I mean, just pick a silly number that shouldn't be possible in 25 minutes. And, and that's what Holloway did to Cater. Then after that, he went and dismissed uh, Yair Rodriguez. Wasn't quite so comprehensive. But... Uh, that, that, that's a great word. It dismissed him was uh, was definitely the, the word for it. So... That's where these guys are at. That's the level we're talking about. Uh... You're being summoned to the headmaster's office. Tell us what happened to Cater, Joe. He, uh... Holloway landed 447 total strikes out of 746 attempts. To Cater's 134 of 284 attempts. Of those strikes, 445 were classed as significant strikes. Oh my lord! Oh That's, my lord! That is that is barbaric, isn't it? Like, and well, and by the way, landing the shots landed by target, 61% to the head, 26 to the body, and 12% to the leg. Like. Cater took a lifetime of damage in that fight. So, Joe, it's, the, it's these body shots and, of course, the leg kicks as well uh, that I think are the keys here to, to Holloway kind of evening it up. Um, now, Holloway, he does go in uh, le- least favoured compared to how he's been perceived going in against mm. Volkanovski in the past. I think that is a testament n- not necessarily to how those two fights have gone, but actually to their recent performances. I think... Volkanovski's been even more comprehensive than Max, as if it's possible. Mm. Um, and I've got to say, Joe, I got to say, I've picked Volkanovski. Have you? I've picked Volkanovski. I've changed camp. Wow. I'm sorry, Max. Yeah, I, I've been worn over. I mean, he's just looked so good. And I really, I think that Volkanovski's gone up through the gears. And I, actually, I think. Max, although he had a good showing against Yair, he did take a lot of shots. He a did. A lot of shots. Um, so I've picked Volkanovski by decision. Wow. That was... That's interesting. That's very interesting. Volkanovski... It's, it's funny that, like, him just adding a killer instinct seems to have made his game all the more lethal and interesting. Like, he doesn't hasn't really changed that much, realistically. It just seems that the ferocity's just changed. Like, he still does that stutter step of, like, goes in, stops, and then goes again to sort of, like, land punches. You know, he still does that sort of lead left kick to the body, steps back to retreat, but then intercepts from there. It, like, his his moves are still sort of the same. It's just how he positions them, and then, you know, the intent on them. It's just different now. It feels different. Like, that Ortega fight more so... The, 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 was it the third round in the Ortega fight where Ortega snatched, jumped on his neck and then got the triangle choke? Yeah, and then was, yeah. and then Volkanovski, rather than being like, oh, I've survived that, thank God. He's like, no, I'm getting that back. I'm getting that back from you. You're not winning this round from me. He ended the round on the feet, wailing on Ortega. It was, it was almost a 10-8 round after almost getting choked out. 
Like, like how does a fighter do that? Well, Joe, tell the, fa- tell the fans, Joe. Who have you gone for? Come on. I've gone for Alexander Volkanovsky. By decision. Ugh. By decision. I, I can't. I can't. I, I was so close to writing KO. I was so close to writing Knockout. But I just couldn't do it. I'm going to ask you this now. This is the trilogy fight. I want to know if this fight delivers, this is the best trilogy in MMA, is it not? I mean, think about all the great ones that there have been. You know, Chuck versus Randy being probably the most famous one, you'd say? Uh, Gray Maynard and uh, Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar. Okay. Uh, yeah, go on. Well, I think it, I think there's still a lot riding on this fight here. I, I, I really do. I mean, what, I think legacy-wise? Well, but yeah, there's certainly uh, a lot of people are saying that this the guy to emerge here will be the one then to go and challenge Aldo's record. Holloway himself was very much making clear he sees um, Jose Aldo at featherweight as the gold standard in terms of the best you, that there's been. Do you see that? I think it's all riding on this fight and then the fight after that, Joe. Uh, do you yeah. really? I mean, these are these are the three guys. Yeah, there's nobody else in the picture. It's Volkanovski, I... it's Holloway, and it's Aldo. There's, yeah, there's no I, else. I, I still favour Aldo just because of the length that he dominated so for. You're telling me Volkanovski goes out there, puts it on Max, and wins another one? You're going to be telling me that Aldo's the good? No, I'd say, I'd say at that point they're equal. And yeah, then, and, and but that, then, so that's, but then it also that's... then starts to depend on what contenders you have. And Volkanovski's made it clear that if he wins this fight, he's going up for the one fifty five belt. Well, I I don't think you could begrudge him that, Joe. He's <laughs> cleaned them all out. I don't, I, no, I can't. he hasn't. Joe Arnold Who'd... Allen, bro. Arnold <laughs> Allen. That's what Allen we needs an, he needs one more. He's one more. Right. Um, can you think of, by the way, a trilogy where the third fight was the best fight? Oh, because that's very rare. Mm. Even like Pacquiao Marquez wasn't the, the third one. Wasn't the best one. That's an ominous note to end on, Joe. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like. I I think this is going to be. Well, I was going to say I think it's going to be definitive. Chuck um, versus Tito. That's that. The third one was the best. Oh one. lord. <laughs> oh lord. We, I we do. I, the that. the answer to by the way where the third one was the best one in the trilogy is. Um, to change sports for a moment, uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. That that third fight was uh, was uh, high drama, I must say. But yeah, I'm. I, this is the fight I'm most looking forward to. I, I, I think is that the same for you? Not necessarily. Oh, not necessarily. Oh my god. Are we moving on? Oh my god, he's going to throw out Jim Miller versus Donald Cerrone. Yes, we will move on to a fight between Sean Strickland and Alex Pareja. In the middleweight division, Tom, first of all, tell me about Sean Strickland. <laughs> well, Joe, we were talking a little bit before we came on air. Now, Sean Strickland is a little bit of a um, controversial figure. Is another one of these MMA guys. You certainly wouldn't want to align your thinking or, or say that you stand by them and give them open license to, to talk. Yeah. But you confess to me, Joe, in your... In your old age. What? What's this confession? You were. You said that Sean, he's winning you over. He's not winning me over. He's not winning me over. I, I've just heard some things. 
and watching him well i'm just like i it's not that like i understand exactly where he's coming from but like i can see the problems that he has which is that he clearly has a problem speaking in public he clearly ha- like has got a problem with his mouth of just like he just says any old shit that comes to his mouth and that he can't hold it in okay and then i watched an interview with his coach eric nixick who is francis Ngannou's coach uh, at extreme couture you know one of the best coaches working today and he said 95 percent of what sean says i do not agree with it in the slightest so, like it is just absolute insanity however he's just a guy who really struggles to express himself and that he just says things that are absolutely insane he doesn't enjoy doing press conferences at all he doesn't enjoy being in that position and that he feels like when he's in that position he's got to put on a performance for everyone and that's his idea of a performance apparently now whether you like the performance is one thing um whether you can have sympathy or empathy for this guy that's another thing entirely he's been very open as well about his past as well which is have you have you heard him talk about that uh, Joe, I know he had associations with various uh, kind of neo-Nazi groups, and he certainly speaks like some figure from the alt-right now. Um, mm. So I think you're being a little bit generous, a little bit forgiving. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's just sometimes you you see these guys who are really kind of out there, and <laughs> you, and he's just he is having it like it is, man. He, no, he's, he's just not. a regular guy. Regular Joe. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. Listen, I want to talk about Sean Strickland, the fighter. Let's talk about now, Sean Strickland, the fighter. This is a man who's six fights in to a streak at middleweight. Um, been pretty comfortable, if not spectacular, going through that streak. Although his last win was a split decision over Hermanson. I did think he won that fight. Yeah, it was, it was, was kind of nodding off. Um, going yeah. through it so I can't there were minutes that I missed there um, a man who talks a whole load of violence but features on a very interesting graph here that I found in the Reddit MMA shout oh. out to that community because they always they, um, we got a graph Joe now the graph I'm looking at Jeez. is it's head strike attempts per knockout oh Okay. I bet, Strick, I bet Strickland's low now, on that. Now, Joe, Joe <laughs> let me tell you, on one end of the graph is a man called Derek Lewis. Okay. 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 <laughs> on right. the other end of the graph, hold, Joe, hold who, who is it? Who is it? And now, let, me tell you, let me tell you, Sean Strickland, he's third, all right? Now, what that means for the listeners is that he does the least damage per shot. Um, but he throws, out, he throws out the most shots with the least amount of damage, whereas Hits, Derek Lewis throws out He's Joe Calzaghe. All right, he's, Just, a, oh. he's a powder puff. He's a powder puff puncher. All right, doesn't right. carry any danger in his fists. And indeed, apart from Brendan Allen and Alex Garcia, um, hasn't got any other knockouts in the UFC. And that's in, in a whole load of fights in, in double digits now. Mm. So, Sean Strickland, number three. Joe, just out of interest, who is number one and number two? Ooh. Um, number one is a bantamweight, famous bantam- for having soft hands. Oh, Dominic Cruz. It's um, Dominic Cruz. And then who's now, the next one is... is well, he's way out there. He's way out there with Cruz in a league of his own. Um, okay. Now, this is damning, Joe, because it's, it's not a small man. It's Bilal Muhammad. Oh, really? Oh, you know what? Yeah, really, really. Wow. Is Derek right, Lewis, by I'm the joking. way, all the way by himself at the... 
So you've got Francis Ngannou, who's who's uh, who's on forty-one head strike attempts per knockout, and then Derek Lewis, who's on twenty-four, half as many as Ngannou. Jesus Christ! So that sounds right. like a good fight, Joe. Should make yeah, that one happen. There's a yeah. Uh, there's a. I mean, Dominic Cruz versus Derek Lewis sounds like the fight to make, really. But like that's again. Anyway. There's a weird thing with Strickland, isn't there? There's the disconnect between what he says and how he acts and how he fights, which is, seems to be, as you say, powder punch, sort of walking backwards, jabbing, jab, going, jab, jabbing, and jab, yeah, jab. going backwards. I gotta say, I'm not a fan of that. If you're fighting Alex Pereja, who is coming to the UFC, and have you seen all of his fights in the UFC so far? Ah, there are two fights to be specific, Jim, I believe. Uh, yes, there are indeed two fights. One was a flying knee knockout, which was which owned, and then you had the Bruno Silva fight. Did you watch that? Uh, I wasn't impressed, Joe. I'll tell you that right now. Would you? Were you not? No, I wasn't. He 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 was really he was marching him down, um, but I, he didn't for me. He didn't carry that much danger. The thing is with for Pereira, a boxer of his pedigree. The thing is with Pereira is that he's one of these guys who. I've seen him fight in glory and he really has had a problem in the past in glory which is fighting to the level of his competition like there have been fights that he's lost where it's just like how the fuck has he lost that like he has just absolutely slept through the fight and he's just like not really cared at all Um, and then he has fights like well the fight that he had early last year against um, Artem Vakitov for the um light heavyweight championship in glory in which they rematched later in the year it was a very controversial split decision win that um, Pereja won fantastic fight that is on the glory YouTube channel highly recommend you watching that Vakitov got the win again later in the year and that has been Pereja's last fight uh, in kickboxing uh, since uh, since coming to the UFC and I've got to say is that I get why people aren't impressed by him in that last fight, but it is, I think, it is purely because of the fight that he was in. Is is he was, he really does fight to the level of the opponent and the moment, and he's clearly been told, win one more fight and you're getting a title shot. He's been put on the same card as Izzy, you know. The narrative is there. He knocked Izzy out in kickboxing. They had two fights in which he won both. Second one, he knocked him out. And it's clear that that's where they're going to. He's avoided any sort of decent wrestler. You know, he hasn't fought anyone close to that. He's not going to fight. I Robert mean, Whittaker. Joe. Let's be honest here. He nearly got upset by uh, before that flying knee by Andreas Michelidis. Uh, again, was taken saw, down. He didn't look. Yeah, but again, though, you saw him just not being that bothered, and then it's like, well, I better knock this guy out and get him out of here. And then when he realised he couldn't get Bruno Silva out, he sort of like cruised through the rest of the fight. I don't think you can do that against Strickland, can you? Because Strickland is just going to keep working and getting at you as best as possible. I just think Pere has got so much power in his hands that he might be able to finish Strickland. It's a great test, Joe. You know, the bookmakers have got this even for both fighters going in. Really? Pick them. Yeah. Oh. And I have to say, it's a fight that I struggled... Um, now my confidence is rocked. You are the champ, but it's a struggle that I, a, a fight that I struggle to call as well. Mm. Um, I, I, and that's because I, I think Strickland is a really good test. 
Um, but at the same time, logic would dictate a kickboxer who gets to fight a, a point a point scoring match should should be the favourite, really. Um, the thing is, we know he's limited in other aspects of the sport. We know that Sean would prefer to keep it um, keep it standing. He's not yeah. got much of a pedigree, but he has landed takedowns in his. He, time he in the apparently UFC. when he first started, he was pre- predominantly grapple heavy, and then developed the boxing from there, and then has just relied on that. Most of all, doesn't really have much of a kicking game, which I think will be a problem against Pereja. Like, you need to have some sort of kicking game in there, even if it's just checking leg kicks. Because Pereja is, I don't know, he's a, he's a, he's a so tough look, dude. This, this is a canvas that's ready for Pereira to announce himself. And sure, I'm happy to see him fight Izzy. There's the narrative there. If he can win this fight in decisive fashion. Strickland's not a man who's been, been finished often. In fact, he's just succumbed once to, to a finish. Was it Kamaru um, Usman? No, that was a decision. Decision win. That was the old Kamaru, Joe. That was before Kamaru. Was it? I, th- I, swear, his... I swear Usman locked, knocked him out, didn't he? And he had no, this weird, was... like, spinny arm sort of... It was decision back it... at UFC 210 in New York, 2017. That was the old Usman, Joe. Damn, I just had, like, yeah. a Mandela effect sort of moment there. Of uh... <laughs> Anyway, well, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I mean, what I'm trying to say is this is... It's up to Pereira to go and prove himself. But mm. I have gone for what I feel like is the conservative choice, but should be the safe choice in that um, Strickland, he can go and mix it up in all aspects of the sport. Um, and I've picked him to win by decision. Wait, what? You've picked I've Sean picked, Strickland? i picked Sean Strickland, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, well, just to let you know that I've picked Alex Pereira. Uh by decision, I thought I thought I was being conservative with that, but maybe not. Like this is a very odd choice by you. Okay, I picked Pereira by decision. I think his kickboxing abilities are so much better than Strickland's, and I don't think Strickland's doing his jabbing, walking back, going away, and then for the last ten seconds, like fucking fight me, and then absolutely, like, uh, it's Joe, not going to work. Joe, Joe. Sean, ain't gonna think... like Sean ain't going to fight like that. Sean ain't going to fight like that. He is going to fight like that. He's not going to fight like. He's not going to fight like that. Like this is a man who's. On a six-fight streak now, he's this is, looking. This to, is number one. This is number one contenders fight. He's looking exactly. He's looking up at the belt, um, and it, it's the right time for Sean Strickland. He has the pedigree. He's used to taking shots to give them, and he can mix in other elements of the sport. There's no issues with cardio, um, and I think he will have looked at those fights that Pereira's had coming in. So this one, his first two fights, and he's going to sit there with the same impression as me, in that there are there are some serious holes here. He's not going to let Pereira just style him, and he's not going to try and outpoint him with jabs because that would be stupid. Have I have I just picked like the next Johnny Walker to win? Have I have I just been, <laughs> there's levels to this game? Like it's like am I going to get that from Sean hey, Strickland? J- j- I think I think Joe, I think you're in dangerous waters here. I wouldn't say any more. I think it's best for you if we move on. Right, Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barbarena. Uh, this replaces uh, Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy on the main card. As Can Tom we move Tate, on from this one Tom as well, Joe? Takes a, uh, a big swig from a stiff drink, as uh, as I mentioned this fight. Look, right. Joe, I'm not, I'm not having it. Should we just? This is right. shite. This right. is Robbie, shite, Joe. Okay. <laughs> this is absolute shite. All right. This, this it, is a fight. We were talking before we recorded, by the way. This is a fight. We were going like, this is going to be a good fight. And it's like, uh, no, this is not. <laughs> All right, Joe Rogan. All right. 
you know, Robbie Lawler, he's a warrior, you know. Like, <laughs> he's been in there. Two brawlers. Carlos, yeah, Carlos Condit and uh, Ro- Rory McDonald. And I, I was just like, oh my God, like fucking, how many years ago was that McDonald fight now? That was six years ago. That was more Is than that all? Years. That was seven years ago. Yeah, it feels like more ago. That was a different, different life back then when Robbie Lawler was a great watch. Unfortunately, oh, since then. He's not. Si- well, since then, Joe, this is a man who's lost to. Uh, Magni, Askrin, Dos Anjos, Tyron, he lost to Tyron Woodley. No, oh, that that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, no, of, co- of course it's not fair. But, uh, of course it's not fair. Look, it's not fair. What was but the, last... the thing is, Joe... There, there's been some fun fights in there. The Joe, the last, fight, fight the last fight, Joe, and the one that's sticking in my head, the thing that's turned me off was against Nick Diaz, which was one uh, of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> it was one of the worst. Nick Diaz was horribly out of shape. They clearly he, he, made some pact just to tap each other, and they both looked so slow and finished. Yeah. I think Lawler came off the juice even. Um, I mean, it was, ter- it was terrible, Joe. Was I, it, I, I do laugh at the fact that Nick Diaz started that fight with a meme kick. Like he just opened with this weird meme kick, spin kick thing he threw. Um, I mean, what was the last good Robbie Lawler fight? What the Askren fight? That was pretty funny. And then what the Donald Cerrone one? That was a good fight. In the Askren fight, he was on the juice, like the full juice. And oh, he, got he, dumped was, on... he was throbbing, like his muscles was... were like doing. That's my Robbie Lawler right there. <laughs> um, since then, the dosage has gone down, right. and he just looked really, he looked so he's washed. poor against. He's washed. He's, he's, washed. he's washed. He's washed. He's washed. He's... And Brian, Brian, Barber... Brian, Bar- <laughs> Brian Barberin was born washed, Joe. He was, no. <laughs> he was washed before he started fighting. No, was... Brian Barberina was winning the fight against Vincente Luque, and then he lost it. Like, he was about to win that fight by decision, and Luque was just like, well, I better knock this fool out. And uh, did. Uh, he's a bit of a frequency puncher, I guess. That's kind of his main thing. All right, uh, can I give you my pick? I'm, I'm going to the pick first now, okay? Brian Barberina by decision. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so the bookmakers also had this one as evens, closely matched brawlers, sick. warriors. Um, I picked Barbarina by decision as well. Yeah. And look, now look, full juice Lawler, Lawler 10 years ago, I think he smashes wow. Barbarina. That's a, he, now that is a ripped roofie video right there, full that, juice Lawler, <laughs> that would be incredible. Pre-USADA, I mean, Please. yeah. I mean, champ, the champ. Robbie Lawler, yeah. a man for for a little while who who was really taken I mean, on all comers at the top of the division. Barbarain has never been in that category, but he has fought some of some of the best nonetheless. Um, do you uh, do you ever think about the fact that if Woodley hadn't beaten Lawler, that Connor apparently was looking at Lawler as a the third belt he was going to go for after <laughs> after the lightweight title? The do you ever think about? A long way. I, 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 I can't believe that was only five years ago, Joe. The Conor McGregor who? I know. I when know. he wasn't just a meme meme I fighter, know. I mean, I feel like we yeah. should do. I feel like I feel like when that anniversary comes up for that show, we should do something for that. Like that is one of the all-time great pay-per-views. I think. Um, even the stuff underneath was fantastic. Anyway, let's not talk about the past. Let's talk about the present and potentially the future. Opening this main card, Pedro Munoz will invite Sean O'Malley into ranked fighter territory. Now, they're both ranked fighters. I think Munoz is 11 and O'Malley is 13 or 14 in the bantamweight division. Um, This is 
O'Malley's first test or first big test since the Cheeto Verify. What do you make of this build that we've had of O'Malley since that ver verifies? Do you think that he has had enough seasoning to finally get into the ranked realm? Well, Joe, he, he is he is ranked thirteen and okay. he matching up yeah, matching up against Pedro Munoz at nine. Um I think this is a perfect fight, if I'm honest with you. Uh you asked me Am I most excited about Volkanovski Holloway? Yes, but the thing that caused me some doubt is I think this is just a phenomenal fight. I really, I oh, really, really do. Yeah, I really place Munoz in that elite. Um, a man who's really shown his durability, been in there with the best of them and given a good account of himself every time. A man who, uh, well, sent Garbrandt on his spiral into oblivion, <laughs> sent him down a division, no less. I love that A man who so went much, yeah. the distance with Jose Aldo. A man who, for me, beat Frank Kiedka. He did, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Munoz, you know, in his last six fights, he's in, in the fight of the night in four of those. Mm. Um, now, admittedly, he has been on the losing end, losing most recently to Dominic Cruz and, and Jose Aldo. Um, but again, very competitive fights for me. And well, he dropped Cruz in that fight. Twice. He dealt he dealt both Cruz and Jose Aldo some some adversity, you know, mm. and 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 that's what O'Malley's going to have to deal with for my money if he if he wants to win this fight. Mm. Uh, Joe, you don't sound totally convinced. No, I am. I'm massively convinced that that Munoz is the test. I think he's the correct test as well for O'Malley. Like if you look at those bantamweight rankings, like Sandhagen. No, Piotr Jan, no, you're not going to go into it. So Munoz stood out to me as like the correct one. He's also very leg kick heavy, Munoz. And O'Malley has had two incidents in the UFC involving his, uh, was it his right leg? He had the broken foot in the Andre Sukumtat fight. And then he Did he had... manage to somehow overcome and win the fight anyway? Because your man, had, your man had him up against the cage and just had to fucking unload leg kicks. He would have won. He would have won the fight. But he took him down. It was it was a ludicrous decision. And then the Cheeto Vera one, which he still doesn't classify as a loss, even though it quite clearly is. I remember uh, that fight ending with Vera unloading heavy elbows to his face. So, um, yes. Uh, anyway. Um, I think this is a good test for O'Malley, because I think Munoz matches up quite well with him. The shorter man, shorter reach. You know, O'Malley likes to use his hands to sort of measure that distance. He switches stance very fluidly. Likes to sort of like go out there, reach for that distance and throw like a heavy shot right behind it. Again, really good at intercepting. You're not buying into this at all, are you? Well, Joe, I want to jump in there because I, I, I really want to stand in my man Munoz's corner here. If mm. I'm trying to build Sean O'Malley to be a star, I think this is a risky fight to deal him. Um, I, I really think... Uh, but then, who'd you give Moon him? If I'm trying to, if I'm trying to protect him in a way that promotes him and gives him a legitimate test, I would prefer to match him up with um, with Rob Font, with Song Yidong, with Dominic Cruz. I, I really, I really think these are easier fights than Pedro Munoz. Pedro mm. Munoz is going to take shots to land them. Pedro Munoz is not going to uh, get diminished in 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 any way. And really, we've we've seen and questioned O'Malley's kind of brittleness, as you hinted at before. Um, 
I don't know if it's a great match matchup for really? him. Really, Munoz is going nowhere, Joe. He can mix it up again in all aspects of the game. Um, he can step into the pocket and 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 take shots. No problem. That's that. That's just another day in Brazil, brother. That's just <laughs> you know. I mean, all right. I mean, I. I... Yeah, you, it seems to me that you think this is a bit of a layup for Sean O'Malley. I think if I was going to pick a fighter in the bantamweight division that matched up physically for O'Malley, I would choose Munoz. Like, so, if I'm, I'm thinking about the physical dimensions of these two guys. Munoz, like he's, he's got very, very limited range. He's, he's not going to outpunch him. He's not going to outpunch O'Malley, and O'Malley then can then keep him at distance with like kicks to the body, kicks to the head from there. I think this is could be quite a good one for O'Malley in terms of keeping range. Munoz has to really step in and throw leg kicks, hard leg kicks, and like try and like that sort of like Cejudo sweeping Cruz sort of like uh, leg kicks. He has to go through there. That's what he really has to rely on, and Munoz does that. He's got re- excellent leg kicks. I just like worry that they, you know, he's he has lost three of his last four. You know, and I know it was to Jose Aldo, and I know it was to Dominic Cruz, but as you just hinted at, a diminished Dominic Cruz. Correct? Correct. So, I'm just a little bit thinking, like, ah, I'm looking at this, I'm like, eh, it could line up quite well for O'Malley. Well, it'll be very interesting to find out. I mean, I, I guess what I really want to underline well, let's find... is... I'll go on. Well, I, I just really want to underline, just to put a few numbers behind what I'm saying. Uh, now... Munoz, across his fights, he has landed five and a half shots a minute. A pretty decent clip. What and does it's he absorb, not... though? Well, he absorbs 6.1. Well, no problem. Go, no problem. No problem for, for Munoz. It, that has not slowed him down. And I think, you know, you look at uh, Sean O'Malley's recent wins. You look at Almeida, Chris Moutinho, and Piva. All of them have been stopped. Their rhythm has... They've, well, they've never found a rhythm yeah. because uh, O'Malley has kind of worked them. I just well, you, don't think you will see Munoz get upset in the I, same I way. I will say, people have thrown the, the strikes landed per minute thing of O'Malley compared to Munoz, that he lands at 8.26 and he absorbs at 3.52. You saw this with Izzy as well, before he got into like the title territory, is that, oh, he was landing a lot more on guys because they weren't on his level and he wasn't absorbing as much. And then when he gets into that upper echelon, the strike differential closes. It went from like... a. 2.5 differential in his favour to a 0.9. You'll see that with O'Malley as he goes through the bantamweight division. I, well, I, Joe, I'm if gonna, O'Malley I'm, beats I'm, I'm Munoz putting, here, I, Munoz is washed. That's the narrative, isn't it? Well, uh, to be honest, most uh, this was something that came out was that the UFC record of guys that lose to O'Malley after after losing to O'Malley is something like two and eighteen. Wow. Like they don't go on a good record. They, they don't have good runs afterwards. So yeah, that shows that he's been given favorable matchups. These are guys that are obviously not going to be future champions. As much as I like Piver, very fun fighter, but I watched him last week and he lost quite clearly. Okay, I'm putting it out there: Sean O'Malley's winning this fight by knockout. He's sorry. Did you just say by knockout? He's, he's knocking him out. For me, Joe, if that happens, that is sensational. Have you? I, I think we need to get a compilation up on the YouTube page of shots that Munoz has eaten and no sold. Because that man has taken shins to the face. He's taken huge he's looping hooks. I, mean, I think he's going to get slept in this fight. Let me just be clear with you here, Joe. 
Pedro Munoz, I've in 26 Munoz. fights in M- MMA, has never been stopped. That, well, there's a first time for everything. Now, if O'Malley can go and do that, then... Um, you know, yeah. the hype train is, is chugging. Um, um, I'm on board anyway, because it's been great watching these last three finishes of O'Malley. Um, but I picked Sean O'Malley to win by decision. Wow. Conservative. Joe, I'm rocked myself. You know, I've eaten some big shots. You are the champ. And uh, now I'm going to show you my durability. Damn. He's going he's gonna uh, to come through. I'm relying on a Sean Strickland decision to, uh, to defeat me. <laughs> anyway, should we, uh, should we go through the prelims? Should we go through the prelims and then we'll uh, recap our picks for the main card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have a, a little, little question to you following up on. on this discussions of recent weeks. Well, you just made reference to uh, Munoz's recent outings. He's lost four of his last five. Yeah, kind of gl- glazed over that there, and yet still finds himself in the top ten. Yeah. Now, uh, he, should, he shouldn't I, be if he loses this one. No, absolutely not. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, would you be okay with the general rule? Now, obviously, there are going to be caveats. It's not going to be easy, but um, would you be okay with if you lose three fights in a row, mm. you automatically are chopped out of the rankings? I would say okay. It depends on oh, it depends on your position. If you're a top five guy, I think it should be maybe four. But if you're in this sort of but like, hold on, I have the perfect, I have the perfect answer, uh, like perfect man lined up. I've just typed his name into Wikipedia. Go on. Um, you can also find his picture on the podcast app you're listening to now. <laughs> Tony Ferguson was the. Probably the highest contender, or up there with Holloway going number one. into the fight now with Volkanovski. Yeah, he was the number one contender, a man I think on a twelve-fight winning streak, definite number one. And then he lost those three fights in a row. Gaethje, Oliveira, Dariush, top-level competition. You couldn't have a, a more clear example of a man who was really at the top and then lost to guys who were ranked at the top. I still don't think Tony should be in the rankings, Joe. So he I think shouldn't it be, does hold up. He shouldn't be in the rankings now. Sure. I think after the Dariush fight, come on, that there's three fights, three losses in a row. I think yeah. that would be okay. Yeah, I think that I think that's fine. And also, like, we have to factor in inactivity now, because listen, it's very sad what happened to him. But fucking get Chris Weidman out of those rankings, bro. Like, he shouldn't be in there. Like, and how many fights has he lost in a row for fuck's sake? Like, factoring <laughs> yeah. in the factoring in this, the Uriah Hall fight. You know what? what I'm saying, yeah. Joe? Fuck him. If you lose one fight, you're out of the... No. If you, lose, if you lose three fights, I think getting out of the rankings is a good show. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you're barred. You can come back. You've got to go and beat win a, a ranked guy to do that. Yeah, win win, a beat a ranked guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. You heard it I'm here fine. first, listeners. Prelims. Pick a fight for me, Tom, that you are most interested in. And why is it Jessica I versus Macy Barber? <laughs> uh, well, Joe, I mean, there are, apart from the fight you mentioned there, there are some pretty exciting fights here. Some that maybe should be on the main card instead of Lola Barbarena in our uh, UFC kind of 3.0 vision. Mm. Um, if I had to pick just one, I, I guess I can't look past Riddell versus Jalen Turner just because of how hot... 
Brad Riddell is right now, how close to those rankings Jalen Turner is, and then obviously the context we've been talking about in recent weeks about rankings, especially at lightweight. But I also want to bring listeners' attention to Tavares and Duplessis. That was the fight I was going to mention. That was the fight. This is um, this is the Drickers Duplessis stepping out moment. This is him going to have to announce, I am a contender in this division. Because it's the Brad Tavares test, isn't it? You can't beat Brad Tavares. You don't get to go, go to the next guy. Access you know, denied. Yeah, exactly. You go through Magny, you get Gilbert Burns. You go through Tavares, you get, you, you get uh, Derek Brunson. Do you know what I mean? Like You have to go through these through these steps. And, I mean, Duplessis got one hell of a record. I mean, in KSW, he um, became the double champ, middleweight and uh, welterweight champ, by uh, defeating Roberto Soldich, who, by the way, is on his way to the UFC. And apparently, it is in his contract, if he wins his first three fights, he gets a title shot. Soldich is a monster in KSW. Let's see if he can replicate it in the UFC. Duplessis, by the way, I think he's been very impressive so far. I think we can agree. In um, the UFC, two finishes. Has said some things that I am uh, not a fan of, such as, I will be the first true African champion, uh, which is a hell of a thing for a white South African to say. Uh, Yeah, oh no, indeed. He's had a lot of cancelled fights, by the way. Can I tell you his cancelled fights he's had? Please. Andre Muniz... Chris Curtis, Anthony Hernandez, and Kelvin Gastelum all have pulled out of fights with him through uh, uh, multiple different reasons. Um, but yeah, so he's finally back, and he's going to start making his way up the rankings. Very interesting to see how far he can go. Is there, is there another one that we want to talk about here? Maybe, uh, uh, well, yeah. Is there I, much I mean, to say I... about Ian Gary? I mean, what, what's... I mean... <laughs> We were talking very politely before on the uh, before we started recording about Ian Gary. Um, what do you make of him? Uh, uh, As a fighter, that, yeah, I, I'm unconvinced, Joe, but I, I'm open to it. You know, I could he's, I could be won over. He's very young. I, I know that the train is chugging. All right, for some people, there's obviously the Irishman, the connection with Conor McGregor, the sympathy. You know, um, victim of. You know, the Pat Barry, older, <laughs> old, older partner. Abuse. Yeah. The mental mind games. Yeah, there's some stuff going on there. Um, it's very So, honest. you know, it worked for Rose. It maybe did. It can, it can, maybe it can work for Ian Gary too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this, this, for the listeners, is a reference to the to the age mismatch in a relationship that, that uh, Ian Gary has now. 23, I believe, the, the young man and... Um, he is a little bit older than that. Yeah, he's 24 and she is uh, 39 years old. Um, I didn't know much about her, but Tom apparently has written a biography on her and was telling me a lot about this woman who uh, I knew next to nothing about. So, uh, well, she's adored, she's adored by the fans. Uh, she's featured. Um, is she? In, yeah. In in. Oh, is she? Yes. Is she actually like well liked by MMA fans, like legitimately, or is this some shit talking thing you're doing? I'm not shit talking at all, Joe. I I spit nothing but the truth here on the podcast. Um, yeah, she did some work with BT Sport, which is uh, uh, now the MMA broadcaster here in the UK. And uh, yeah, you know, she's entertaining, entertaining lady. Let's say so. Okay, fair enough. Uh, 
it builds Ian Gary's brand, and sure, you know, this guy, he could go somewhere. I, I just don't think he's a... I, he talks about, like, I'm one of the great talkers in the UFC and then just doesn't do any talking. So I'm like, well, that, that's not how you prove yourself as a great talker, is it? Like, that's just a bit odd. But he's facing Gabe Green, who's a very wrestle-heavy uh, fight. So it'll be interesting to see if Gary can keep it standing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I watched his first fight and I wasn't that impressed. He did manage to knock out Jordan Williams and the Darian Weeks one. He was very controlled and I thought that was solid, but he's very young. Like it's it's a bit bit harsh to sort of judge him compared to the other welterweights that are in there at the moment. By the way, Ch- I found this. Go on. Well, no. If there, if there's a train to get on, you know, I'm a, I'm at the platform. You know, I'm waiding. So what for if- Ian Gary? Well, Joe, listen. I'm mate. not. I'm not convinced. Choo choo, motherfucker. Choo choo. I, I don't way, discriminate. It, it, go a well- get a win here. Build your brand. Paddy Pimlet's not done anything. Sean O'Malley wow. didn't do anything for a while. What? Sean O'Malley didn't do anything for a while, Joe. It was all. It was all a bit premature. But look where he is now. Well, um, yeah, actually worked out. Look, I do, I don't know. I'm just. He's very young. Got to give him some time. Just let him cook on the prelims for a while it's interesting by the way he's a welterweight who trains out of sanford mma uh, the other welterweights that train there are savkat rachmanov uh, vincente luke gilbert burns and kamaru usman well that's a killer's row yeah it's, it's a bit odd isn't it for matchmaking uh purposes don't you think well in gary's got to get there first so i don't think he he, he needs to worry about beefing in the gym yeah, um, yeah fair enough uh, but yeah, right, Riddell Turner t- Turner's the fight that I'm most excited for. By the way, speaking of prospects, just very quickly, UFC did something very weird the other day. Uh, they signed a fighter to uh, compete on the Contender Series, a man by the name of Bo Nickel. Do you know much about Bo Nickel? Tell me, Joe. Tell the He listeners. is a world champion folk-style wrestler who is probably most well-known to MMA fans as being one of Jorge Masvidal's training partners uh, for the uh, Kamara Usman fights. Uh, Nickel had his first pro fight. He's had uh, three or four amateur fights. His first pro fight a couple of weeks ago uh, and knocked some fool out who uh, looked like he shouldn't have been in there with him. But Bo Nickel, uh, according to some very well-respected people, is going to be a future champion in the welterweight division. Could be one to look out for. It's been interesting to see how he performs on the Contender Series fight. If he performs well there... Don't be surprised to see him in the uh, the UFC sooner rather than later. One to look out for for the Definitely future. To, hopefully not let's, a Boston salmon. Anyway, let's, let's go through uh, the, let's go through our picks. Yeah, let's, let's through run through one more time. Um, All right, and then we'll wrap up. Right, uh, Munoz O'Malley. Uh, I've picked O'Malley by knockout. It's a decision victory for Sean for me. Uh, Lawler versus Barbarena. I think we've both picked Barbarena by decision. Uh, Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereja I picked Pereja by decision This is the deal breaker Strickland to win by decision uh, Max the Holloway versus, uh, yeah, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 3 for the featherweight title uh, Volkanovsky by decision uh, for myself and for me and, too uh, and for Tom and in the main event we both picked Adesanya by knockout over Jared Cannonier. Tom Saying late in the fight, me going early in the fight. That's the the main discrepancy there. Uh, thank you, Tom, for laying those out for, for me. That. 
And I can't wait to retain my belt on Saturday night. Yeah, the Sun Trap Edition. Trap Edition for me. Um, but Which one? Which one are you worried you ne- about? You now? never want to be relying on Sean's Trickland, Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a life, life lesson there, and I'm uncomfortable being in that position. Well, but, uh, tune you made your bed. next week to find out. You made your bed. You better fucking lie in it. Okay. I can't wait to watch this card. I'm absolutely hyped. Absolutely hyped for this. And, uh, yeah, I'll be tucking in as soon as humanly possible on Sunday uh, to this card. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Cheers, Joe. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Have a lovely Bye. weekend. Yes, and we'll Bye-bye. be back next Tuesday. Goodbye.